0: Welcome to the Connect Kindness Podcast, where we connect people with organizations to inspire kindness. I'm your host, Crystal Aziz, and I'm joined by my co-host, Tim Evans. Thank you so much for joining us on the Connect Kindness Podcast. This is our first episode of 2020. We are super, super excited to launch our season three. And this year we'll be bringing podcasts to you every other Friday. So be on the lookout. Uh, We'll be launching it on all our social medias uh, whenever they are live. And you can go ahead and subscribe on Connect Kindness podcast through Apple Music and also Spotify. We are so excited to have our first interview with Troy Reinhardt, the Senior Vice President of Smile Train. And let's just say it was not an easy podcast to record because the fire alarm went off, the mics cut off, but Troy came through and we had an amazing interview with him. Their mission is to provide training, funding, and resources to empower the local medical professionals in 90 plus countries to provide 100% free cleft repair surgeries. How amazing. Their model is based on true sustainability, and Smile Train is raising the standards of cleft care and safety.
1: Troy shares with us the founding story of Smile Train, as well as opens up to us about his remarkable 18-year journey with the organization. We discuss the impact that Smile Train is having worldwide, and the process for helping a child with cleft lift and or palate. It was a pleasure interviewing Troy and learning more about Smile Train. So without further ado, this is our interview with Troy Reinhart the Senior Vice President of Smile Train.
0: Thank you so much for joining us on the Connect Kindness podcast. Troy, can you share with our listeners what is Smile Train and what needs do you guys serve?
2: Sure. Smile Train is an international children's charity. Our focus is um, on children born with cleft lip and cleft palate. So like I said, we're a global charity operating in over 90 countries we're serving. And basically our mission is to make sure that every child born with cleft has care for it so how we do this is we actually empower local surgeons in their own communities so for instance if we're looking at india we would set up partnerships with local surgeons there and then what we would do is provide the funding and training needed to make sure that these children are helped so we're available 365 days out of the year and we've been around for 20 years and since then we've already helped 1.5 million children with surgery But we don't stop there we actually provide comprehensive care too so these children need additional surgeries and then they also need speech therapy orthodontics it's really we want to be there to provide all the care they need that they may not be able to afford so we're hoping we're we're filling that gap so that's why we're
0: around you guys are doing some amazing things that that's awesome congratulations on 20 years too i know As a nonprofit, the growth that you can go through in the past 20 years can be amazing. And we're going to talk about that a little bit more in this uh, interview. But I want to take it back a little bit. Can you tell us how the foundation got started?
2: Sure. Yeah. So our founder, Charles Wong, who unfortunately we lost about a year ago, he had founded us. and. Really, he built it off the Chinese proverb. You give a man the fish, you feed him for a day, but you teach a man the fish, and you feed him for a lifetime. He was a businessman in the, in the technology world, so he always looked at ways to do things more efficiently. And really what, what had happened was he had seen the old mission models where you fly in doctors, and he realized those were not cost-efficient, and they were not sustainable because they're going in for two weeks, helping what they can do, and then they're back out. So he was like, how can we make this sustainable? So 20 years ago, he piloted a program in China. We tested it there. And what we realized very soon that there were skilled plastic surgeons doing this care every day. Really what we didn't have were the funds and sometimes additional training. So by Smile Train providing that, he was able to kind of create this model. And like I said, 20 years ago, when I came in the organization about 18 years ago, We were in about 23 countries at that time. And like I said, we're in about 90 countries. And I think we had operated on our 10,000th patient, and now we're at 1.5 million. So we were able to show that we could scale this and his dream and vision came true.
1: Wow, that is amazing. So you've been with the organization for 18 years. That is awesome. How did you get involved with Smile Train and how um, has your journey been with the organization?
2: Yeah, it really,
1: I, I kind of came across it because I had a friend working there, and like I said, it was a very grassroots
2: organization at the beginning. In fact, when I came in and in 2001, um, we had just started fundraising, and I was always interested in the nonprofit just kind of growing up and always, you know, doing that as a student and everything, and then through your churches and then in university programs. So I never realized it could actually be a career, <laughs> and then... Soon after that kind of coming in there, I actually started from the ground up answering phones and and from now 18 years later, I'm Senior Vice President of Global Fundraising and Relations overseeing um, some, you know, massive fundraising wow. initiatives that are going over um, all over the world. So the journey's been great for me professionally, but the one good thing about Smile Chain, which I've remained there so long because everybody asks me that question, is you know it, we we grow we test things we, we like to see entrepreneurial things we invest in technology and even though we're we're a nonprofit we make sure that we spend all the dollars efficiently because it is you know our supporters are the public that is giving to us you know we do have opportunity to try things and our board is very open to that and we've been able to prove that you know be successful and really grow this fast and you know have a nonprofit sometimes that are starting up, contact us and, and ask us, how did you do this? You know, so it's great to be there for them, too, to see them uh, hopefully succeed also.
1: And I love that you, you started off um, as a receptionist, now you're vice president. That's just an amazing story. And you've seen Smile Train grow over the years. What is something in your mind that Smile Train does unique in the nonprofit world?
2: I think what what Smile Train, I kind of touched on it a little bit, what we do very unique is we do look at technology as kind of driving us. And even when I came in 18 years ago at that time, they were developing a software called Smile Train Express. And this is our own software. And what that was is when we first started 20 years ago, we were testing our programs in China and they were mailing us paper records of the surgeries and everything. And we were like, well, this is not gonna gonna work too well because eventually we won't have enough filing cabinets to keep this in. And that was also at the time, 20 years ago, where you weren't scanning things and doing things digitally but um, our founder knew technology and so we built our own internal software that tracks all our surgeries so for instance if there's a hospital in brazil today that operated on some patients they would load that surgery information into our system it then goes to the headquarters we're able to actually review it to make sure it was properly added but also we have a medical advisory board that oversees the safety and protocol. So they make sure also that the surgery is done properly too. So really once all that is vetted, and then that's when really we would send a payment to the hospital for the partnership that we set up with them and everything. So I think Smile Train using technology is what has been able to really advance us and also kind of being a little forward thinking of, you know, what's going to happen in the next 20 years. So, um, you know, there's, there's talk that um, there's not going to be enough doctors. So we're already trying to address that. So we're starting training programs from the ground up. So let's, we're in Rwanda right now, um, training surgeons from university on that hopes that they'll stay and become surgeons and get p- people interested in the healthcare because, separate of CLEF care, too, it's, it's looking like there's, you know, not going to be enough medical care <laughs> to serve um, all the communities eventually.
0: For our listeners that don't know what is cleft lip and palate, can you go into a little detail uh, about that? And then also, how can they use your services if they did um, have one of these?
2: Sure. Very good question. So cleft lip and cleft palate, it is a birth defect, and it actually happens in 1 in 700 children um, globally. And that is the average rate. So to give you even break that down even further, that's every three minutes a child is born with cleft. So what happens is during the first trimester, while the mother is during her pregnancy, the face is not forming properly together. So if you're in the developed world and you're getting your prenatal care, you you would know that at that time. And basically what it is, is just the face not fully coming together. So you can have unilateral and bilateral cleft lip, which is kind of that single slit or that double slit that you'll see from the nose, you know, to the mouth and everything. And then there's also cleft palate that happens, which you don't visually see. But if you would press your tongue against the roof of your mouth, that is your palate. In that case, when that is open, that's a little more severe, too, and not that the lip isn't. But you can imagine then they're having trouble to breastfeed and everything and eat because everything's coming through your nose and everything. So it, it is a risk. Um, and, you know, in the developed world our governments and healthcare see that this is something that needs to be corrected and one thing we're trying to do is in, in these developing countries is show that, you know, this is a risk to these children and hopefully, you know, the public could get involved and the hospitals and the, the governments and everybody involved to really help these children because it does affect their eating, their breathing and speaking if it's not properly treated within that first year of birth.
1: For sure. And uh, what would you say are the biggest challenges that Smile Train faces over the past 20 years and uh, how has the organization overcome them?
2: Yeah, the one thing about Smile Train is, you know, over the 20 years, we've definitely faced some challenges and still face some challenges. And being in 90 different countries, we're always working with different governments, different cultures and, and, and things like that. So we always have to be weary and, and make sure that we're staying on top of everything. One thing that is challenging uh, on the program side is there's still a stigma with cleft. So there's still people that when a child is born with cleft, they don't know what to do. And unfortunately, what happens in some situations like in Ghana, uh, the community shuns them. Uh, Sometimes the husband will leave the relationship. They think it's a curse from God. Um, They think that the wife did something while she was pregnant or there was an eclipse. So there's a lot of education um, that we still have to, to work on, and that's you know, kind of across the board, not only in Ghana. Other challenges we also face, too, is still people don't know what cleft is, and, e- and that even happens here in the U.S., where you know a child's born with cleft, and they may have never seen that before, and they don't know what to do, but you know after being with the cleft team, they learn that this is something that can be fixed, and it's okay, and there's nothing wrong with their child. So when you're in the developing countries, and these children aren't born in hospitals, you know, we have that extra layer of education. So we're always looking at awareness of uh, just cleft in general. But the one great thing that's been good is we've helped one point five million children. So they're kind of our spokespeople. So you can imagine in a rural village in Ethiopia, we've already helped one child there. As soon as another child's gonna be born with cleft, they're gonna know exactly what to do. So, you know, we have our challenges of still mobilizing um, patients to the hospitals because sometimes they live in very remote areas. So we are always looking at um, different ways to get the patients there and partnerships. We have donors that have actually bought vans for the hospitals um, so they can actually go pick up the children. So we're always looking at different different ways. Uh, since we do focus on speech therapy and everything, we've developed some speech therapy apps. So You can imagine that was very challenging to have someone come Every couple of weeks for a speech therapy session, but now what we've been able to do is create an app version of that in different languages right now, and we're expanding that. Hopefully, that we get into more languages so that they can practice speech at home and not have to always worry about coming in to a speech therapy session, which could be, you know, challenging for anyone to take off work and to take off from school or, or whatever it may be, and just to get the funds to go there. Now, Smile Train would pay for all that, but you know, if we could find a more efficient way we do that and then on the fundraising side of course we have our challenges because we have to raise money and you know there's always new new nonprofits starting um the giving philanthropic giving of the younger is much different than it is of i'll say my generation and and above and everything so we always have to think of new creative ways of getting the millennials involved um on fundraising everything so hopefully they can sustain us because as the older generation dies out which was the more philanthropic kind of uh, givers we just have to make sure we're going to be able to sustain our fundraising to go along with our sustainable programs
1: troy uh, i'm just curious what are the main differences between the different uh, generations um in their giving
2: yeah what we've noticed with the different levels of how people engage with charities The millennials that are coming up now want to be more actually engaged with hands-on experience and kind of see that they're making an impact, where in the past, you know, older and if we call it our grandparents' generation, they were just fine writing that $50 check knowing that it's going to go to something. But uh, the millennials, they're just more, you know, want to be involved and hands-on to know they're actually doing something and, and not just writing a check. Um, so we have those challenges there because obviously we work in 90 different countries and we don't have experiences for everyone to go on because we're not a volunteer-based organization. You know, we utilize local professionals. So, you know, we are always thinking of different ways um, to really just get them engaged at the beginning. And obviously social media is perfect for that because that's their their demographic. So even if it's just bringing awareness to Smile Train and Cleft at that age, that hopefully one day when they're older And they have a little more funds to give they will be able to um you know support us
0: and for someone uh, that wants to use your services what does that cost look like and what is the process for them uh, to be selected
2: yeah i mean really how smile train was set up and we were set up is that we're available 365 days out of the year we have 1100 partner hospitals all around the globe so anytime a child is born with if they don't know about our services, because usually if they're born in the hospital, they'll know right away that they need to have the surgery. A lot of times what happens is the hospital say, okay, well, this is what it would cost. And, of course, the patient they say, I don't have that type of money. And they say, don't worry, we have a great program here, Smile Train, that will subsidize all the costs and pay for everything. And then, of course, they're very happy, you know in the case that they didn't know about the program and that's why we do put a lot of uh, money into awareness and everything in these villages and remote areas to make sure they know they really just contact the the local hospital and a lot of times because we've been around for so long even if that hospital isn't doing the services they know to direct them to where uh, where we are um in different places like India, we have an 800 line and you'd be surprised how many people call that 800 number to register so they may be in you know, in the middle of India, but we'll call that 800 number, then we could direct them to the program. And once again, we assure them it's 100% free of cost so that they don't even have to worry about that transportation that has to get them to the hospital.
0: That's perfect. That's awesome. Thank you for sharing. There's probably so many success stories that you've, you know, witnessed being with the organization for 18 years. Is there one that kind of sticks out that you'd like to share with us?
2: Yeah, I mean, yeah, there's definitely been a lot of success stories, and we get to hear about a lot of the smile train success stories, even from patient number one, which was Wang Li, and now she's happily married and and living in China and has a child of her own. But I remember my first, it was in 2006, uh, I went to Nigeria for the first time, and it was my first time actually meeting uh, a child with cleft, and her name was Phun Mai, and I remember she had a bilateral cleft, so it would have been, you know, both the slits in her mouth and she also had a palate and I just remember her sitting in the corner the entire time Um, it was a very small kind of hut type house and everything and just had this look in her eyes that of sadness and I'll never forget that and then it was probably about four years ago maybe three years ago now one of our uh, hospitals that we work with happened to run across her again and the change, I can't even explain it. I mean, she was already doing her selfies on her phone and sending <laughs> photos and everything to us. So it was just that transformation and confidence that we were able to provide. It just stays with me all the time because I just remember how she was before. And then, you know, hopefully someday I will we'll meet her, you know. But now she's a teenager and your typical teenager. But back then when she was, I think it was about five or six years old, she, she definitely was a sad, you know? And sad just because you could just tell she just wanted to look like everybody else. Sure.
0: Yeah.
1: Well, Troy, thank you so much for, for joining us today and, and sharing uh, more about Smile Train and all the wonderful things that, that you guys are doing. And for our listeners who want to get involved with Smile Train, how can they get in touch with you guys on your social as well as website?
2: Great way to get in touch with Smile Train is always visit our website, smiletrain dot smiletrain.org. There's even a tab on there that's called "Get Involved," so that's a great way to kind of just look through that. Like I said, it, it always helps when we have financial donations, but it's hard to always commit, and people don't always have a lot of funds. So there's a lot of other ways um, to get involved, um, just even spreading awareness. And a lot of people will do that through social. So you know, look at our Instagram, our Facebook, and Twitter, which are all to so All Smile Train, and you can kind of see the amazing work that we're doing, and then just really sharing that story because. Um, You never know who's
0: looking at social, who's looking at your social media, and
2: so you could still be helping by hopefully finding some patients that may need help.
0: Thank you, Troy, for taking the time and uh, doing this interview with us. It was very informative, super exciting to hear about the things that you guys are doing, and um, I'm I'm excited to just follow your journey and see what you guys are coming up next. After the app you already created and the internal system, I don't don't really know what you could do next, but create some robots, but... (laughs) Other than that, um, thank you so much. We really do appreciate it.
2: No, thank you very much for spreading the word. And, and you know, I think together, we, we, you know, our motto is we're changing the world one smile at a time. And now you're part of the Smile Train family now, too. So we love that.
1: Thank you so much for listening to the Connect Kindness podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please share it on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Do. And please remember, the world is changed by your example, not by your opinion.